Hey guys, this is Mo Sider from the Detroit Red Wings. You guys listen to Lockdown Red Wings. You're Locked On Red Wings, your daily podcast on the Detroit Red Wings. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. All right, everybody, welcome back to the Lockdown Red Wings podcast. Today is Tuesday, June 1st. Hey, happy June, everybody. Happy birthday to my dad. Exciting stuff here on June 1st. Uh, Go check out the Lockdown NHL podcast. I'm going to tell you that right off the bat, folks. It's the best way to make sure that you're able to keep up with everything that's going on in the league. Subscribe and listen each day for a quick look at the biggest stories and game recaps each day. Subscribe to Lockdown NHL today, wherever you get your podcast. You should also subscribe to Lockdown Red Wings. That's the one you're listening to right now. Uh, it's draft season officially. We kicked it off yesterday. We had the draft analysts on to talk a little Anton Olsen, a little Simon Edvinson. I'm curious to know what the people thought about uh, Steve's analysis of Simon Edvinson. We talked about it. It was one of the more interesting things that we'd heard throughout the draft season. Um, but We've got two more exciting guys today. Two centers, uh, Matthew Coronado, Chicago Steel uh, of the USHL. And we're also taking a look at Zachary Bolduke, the Ramuski Oceanic Center. Uh, So taking a look at two centers today, uh, Scott Bentley, host of the Bentley Show, co-host of the Lockdown Red Wings podcast. Me, Nolan Bianchi, also co-host of Lockdown Red Wings. What did you think uh, of the analysis of Coronado and and Bolduke? And our our conversation about the center position. I love that intro. That Thank was you. really just like like Sleek. cut to the chase. Yeah, that, yeah. that was solid. Um, no, I think that uh, I think it's the, the wings having that second first rounder really makes all of this so important. And I think that that's what kind of makes this cool. Like, um, you know, if, if we just had whatever a top six, seven pick, uh, th- this would seem like overkill. But it's not because all of these guys are in uh, in that kind of pool of people that we could be taking there. Uh, and yeah, that, that conversation we had with him about, about center depth and, uh, I, honestly, some of the most intriguing, uh, like thoughts and opinions we got from him was, uh, him talking about what kind of skill set and what kind of players could move from wing to center on, uh, and, and people that might be drafted as wings that could end up giving us that center depth. We honestly desperately need um, rather than, you know, just more wings. Cause we have a lot of those. So that was uh, kind of the most intriguing part for me is him talking about what, what kind of player, uh, what centers in this draft he sees as wings long-term, what, what wings he sees as centers long-term that kind of back and forth was uh, really interesting. Yeah. And to that point that you mentioned of like all these different picks, what they, what the Red Wings essentially did was they cut in half the time that they would have to wait between their first and second round picks. They're going instead of picking at six and, you know, 39 or whatever it would be 37. My math is really bad. Uh, You're close. 38. I have no idea. I don't know. It would be 38 uh, if we got six, right? That sounds right. Yeah. 33, 40. Yeah, yeah. With the crack in there. Uh, well, no, yeah, it'd be yeah, yeah. It'd be 39. No, it'd be, it'd be eight. 33, 34, 35, 36, 37, 38. All right. Yeah. Okay. Fair enough. Uh, the 
so like the the eleventh ranked guy can go at six. He can also go at twenty. He can also go at twenty two. And then the fifteen ranked guy can go at twenty two. He might even be able to sneak up to six. You know, like the guys that you have in your head for these positions can go really all over the place. And that's what I've honestly started to notice when I've been making our, uh, you know, when when we've been putting together the the sheets for this is just going through and we've been looking at all of their rankings. The elite prospects has like ten websites on there that they're listed as. Uh, you know, some guys aren't even ranked. I don't think um, Bull or I don't think Coronado was even ranked uh, by elite prospects. That yeah. actually that might be wrong. I think it, one of those guys uh, wasn't ranked by elite prospects. Um, so pretty interesting stuff. I'm excited for you guys to listen to it. We had the draft lottery preview coming tomorrow. Uh, Going to go over all the historical odds, what, you know, update you on the, the latest news and rules for this year uh, and all that good stuff. Going to give you a full 200 foot game on the draft lottery podcast. If you know what I'm saying. All right. We're talking centers with Steve Cornianos. We'll see you guys back here tomorrow. Same time, same place, your team every day. All right. At this time, we are now joined by the draft analyst. His name is Steve Cornianos. You'll probably just simply know him as the draft analyst. He runs the draftanalyst.com, hosts the draft analyst podcast, and runs the YouTube channel Prospect Film Room. Please welcome in our special guest today, Steve Cornianos. How's it going, Steve? Good to good to have you on again. Thanks, Noel. Thanks, Scott. Good to have good to be here. Uh, looking forward to talking some draft. So we're going to be profiling quite a few guys today, but I just have to ask, uh, how cool is it that you like lock down the draft analyst as like your brand, like the draft at like, you know, the, the, you can, somebody will say in passing, Oh, I saw the draft analyst just had them. And they're like, which one? They're like, no, the draft analyst, the, (laughs) the number one, you know, uh, it, 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 it was just by chance. Actually, I was going to do draftanalyst.com. And I guess at some NFL guy took it. This was way back in like 2014. And so I just, you know, I went online to see if it was available. V was there. So I added V to it and it didn't have a Twitter handle, didn't have anything. And so I was, uh, and so I don't, but the thing is I wasn't really trying to make myself the draft analyst. It was like the, the blog itself was gotcha. the draft so i you know people like the draft analyst himself and i'm like it, it's signed, it took on <laughs> a new persona so like no i don't look at the room and be like you're the draft analyst like yeah. <laughs> you're you like, like the uh the american psycho you're like skipping rope in the mirror like yeah <laughs> i don't I be. like the third person I'm like well the draft analyst thing <laughs> whatever right. anybody says just analyst you make sure you like it's the like put like the, the, the Ohio the, State University, right? Like, exactly. That. I want to do that like in like a if i in like a like the draft setting and seeing like all the professionals and the scouts be like, no, no, I'm not Steve. I'm, I'm the draft analyst, please. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I love it. All right, well, we are here to talk about a uh, a pair of centers to start out. Sure. Um, Zachary Bull Duke, Matthew Coronado, kind of opposite players in in a lot of different ways. But I kind of want to ask, you know, just general, I guess, philosophies on centers, wingers, prospects, the translation to the NHL and just how that works. How do you judge whether a guy is going to be able to translate to center and the NHL? Because I think both of these guys kind of have maybe that question about them. I think most centers coming out of the draft have that question about them. Uh, So is it, you know, is it based on the ability to control the puck? Is it defensive responsibility, uh, willingness to go into the corners? I guess what? help or I guess what helps you define that 
Uh, I, I, I guess a good, it's a great question and we could spend a lot of time on it. Uh, what I really look for, for a specific, I mean, listen, you have goal scoring centers, you have playmaking centers, you have the dual threats, the guys that can do both. You have those that are more defensive oriented than the ones that are just pure offensemen. Uh, so I, I, I just care about like what their strengths are. Right. So if a center is his strength is shooting the puck and, you know, getting himself in the scoring position and his line mates know that because again, we don't know what the coach is telling these guys on the ice. The coach could say, Hey, you, you're the center, but I want you hanging out, you know, high near the line because we want, you know, you have the most speed and we want you to counterattack and blah, blah, blah. So but what I really do look for is once they're inside the offensive zone, that's why I really start to say, like, okay, well, who's really driving this line? Is it the winger? What is the center doing? So, like, for example, Mike Rasmussen, he's not really a possession-driving center, right? He's excellent defensively. He's a big body. Uh, but you know that for the most part, if he's going to be playing on a line with, let's say, a Philip Zadina or maybe down the road like a Jonathan Bergeron, they're going to be doing most of the puck handling. And he's going to be the one who's going to be, you know, setting screens, going in the front of the net, like winning those board battles. So it really all depends. Like my big thing, though, overall, to answer your question is like I I like how they incorporate everybody else into the offense, if that makes sense. Like, are they puck hogs or are they not puck hogs? And if they are, you know, holding on to uh, uh, the puck for a long time, are they doing it so that their line mates can get open and, you know, set them up or really just uh, they're moving themselves constantly, you know, never really being satisfied with uh, what the opposition is presenting them. So. Uh, there's a lot of layers to that, um, but I think overall, I would say effort. Like, I, I really want my like the centers on my team to have like a little bit more effort than the wingers. I want them to be there on the back check, covering the slot when the defenseman have to go behind it. Little things like that. Now, out of an average draft class, I guess how many guys with that center slash wing designation would you estimate? end up taking that leap and playing center at the next level. Um, Cause it feels like it's probably not a lot. Like if I, my uneducated guess would be like 30% and that might even be like a little bit higher. It all depends. It depends on the organization. Like, so for example, uh, for example, the red wings, they're loaded at the wing, right? Mm-hmm. They have wings everywhere and uh, they, they have quality center prospects, but the, you, they kind of still need that like number one franchise center. And I think that, you know, private discussions between Steve Eisenman and his staff and his coaches that they might entertain the idea of playing a guy like Lucas Raymond at center ice. Now, you know, for a guy like me, who's following the kids since he was 15, 16, I'm like, Oh my God, he's a pure wing. Why would you do that? But like I said, it all depends. I mean, there's even talk with the Rangers right now, moving Alexei Lafreniere to center ice because there's a little bit of a void there uh, in the organization. So um, they're private conversations that the coaches and the organization have with the players themselves this particular draft, I mean, really, you you have only a handful of really what I would call natural centers uh, that you would consider like, quote unquote, potential friends, uh, franchise types. But like Isak Rosen, right? Really fast kid out of Sweden. He's wiry. He's fast. He's been playing wing his whole career. At the U18s, he was playing center a little bit. I'm like, he's a pretty good center. So it's really tough to, to lock it down. I can't, like Coronado is a great example too. We'll talk about him where he played both positions this year and he set a record for goals. So, but his, his attributes his, and his, let's say on ice demeanor is that of a center, a possession driving center. So uh, it's a good problem to have. You, you like that kind of versatility, but again, it, it, a lot of it is dependent upon where the organization is and, and the discussions with that player. If they say, yeah, I really don't like playing wing anymore. I kind of, kind of want to try center ice a little bit. So 
know, just a matter of time until it all unfolds. All right, well, then let's get into uh, Coronado a little bit specifically. He's 5'10", 183 pounds, 18 years old, a little bit of a late birthday, November 14th, or I guess that would make him one of the, the older players in this draft class. Um, center wing from the Chicago Steel of the USHL. You just mentioned uh, he set a goals record, had a massive breakout year in his draft season, went from about a point per game uh, to almost two points per game. I've seen him ranked mainly uh, late first round, early second round range. You have him at number 23. Uh, what is your overview of Coronado and where the biggest improvements in that final draft year came from? He is just, uh, he is relentless. Uh, he wants the puck all the time. And, you know, I'm not in the Chicago locker room, so I don't know what the coaches tell him. I don't know what his teammates think of the whole thing, but he's, he's not in a puck hogging kind of way, but he's like the center of gravity for that entire offense. And that offense had a lot of quality players, right? They had a potential number one overall pick in a couple of years in Fantilli. Well, not number one overall, but maybe top three. Uh, they had a, you know, Sean Farrell, uh, who was, I think, the, the leading scorer in the league. Uh, I mean, uh, Josh Stone, a lot of quality plays. Uh, Mackie Samuskevich, his linemate. Uh, but it just seemed like when Chicago needed something to happen, they turned to Coronado to do it. And uh, uh, his skating style is, is just, it's very effective. It might not look the best. He's got a little bit of a wide stride, but he, you know, mobility, quickness, uh, outpacing people, strong balance, edge work, all that's fine. It's just his desire to be the best player on the ice. He wants the puck. He's ultra competitive. Uh, you know, he, he set him up for the one timer a lot. So he's got a great shot, but that I think out of all the things that he does, that's really impressive to me. And he'll need to clean some things up in terms of like decision-making when he, when he's attacking, cause he always likes to attack, uh, is his stick handling. It, it's at an elite level. Uh, he could, you know, just, just basically, uh, handle that puck through a maze of sticks and skates, uh, get his way into the zone and just control things from there. So, uh, you know, size isn't that big. How is he going to handle really tough, mean defensemen in the NHL? We'll have to wait and see. He's going to Harvard, I believe. Uh, so, uh, he, it, again, did they call him the bison? That's his nickname, the bison. <laughs> that's uh, that's what the radio guy in Chicago still call him. And he, he really was to me, uh, the most, I guess, aggressive forward without the puck in terms of wanting it back. You know, William Mecklen is up there too. Uh, you know, obviously Matt Beniers as well, but uh, he, he, he could be a special player. You know, I have him ranked, I have him ranked in the, in the twenties because he sometimes gets a little bit too excited and tries to do everything himself. And again, it goes, goes back to the coach. What's the coach selling him? Is the coach saying, Hey, Matthew, just take the buck and, and fix it for us. You know, we don't know that, but um you know, it's, he, he, he's, uh, he's a lot of fun to watch and, you know, they just won the championship, the, the clock cup mm -hmm. and his effort was just fantastic. I mean, really, really, uh, the, the kid basically wants to play hockey. There's no, like, eh, I don't know, maybe I'll just do like, he really wants to play hockey. He wants to be the best on the ice. Uh, so, uh, I, I think very highly of him, obviously. All right. Just got to jump in here to talk to the folks today about wealth front. Stonks, memes, rocket ships, day trading can be a lot of fun. I think I'm getting pretty good at that, by the way. But if you want to grow your long-term wealth and make it to the moon, you should open up a Wealthfront investment account today. Decades of data show that investors that trade individual stocks underperform the market every year. In fact, 
only 1% of day traders even beat the market. The odds are not in your favor if you're doing it alone. So team up with Wealthfront instead. Wealthfront can create a portfolio of globally diversified, low-cost index funds personalized just for you in minutes. No manual trades, no picking stocks, no watching the stock market every day. That's exhausting. I couldn't do it. You couldn't do it. Wealthfront, they can do it. And they automatically handle all the investing based on preferences that you can control. Wealthfront is trusted with over $20 billion of assets. And you can get your first $5,000 managed for free by going to wealthfront.com slash lockdown NHL. All you need is $500 to get started. So to get your first $5,000 managed for free for life, Go to wealthfront.com slash lockdown NHL. That's W E A L T H F R O N T dot com slash lockdown NHL. To start growing your savings, go to wealthfront.com slash lockdown NHL and get started today. Also, got to talk to the folks today about rockauto.com. They're a family business serving auto parts customers online for 20 years. And they've got some great TV jingles too. Scott, I don't know if you've ever heard those TV commercials. Uh, they go a little something like I used to have to go to the auto store. Um, luckily I don't have to do that anymore. The animation that, good that too. yeah, absolutely. And that, those commercials just hit home so hard to me. And I, I sometimes, you know, I'll be in a, in a room with people watching things and, and a rock auto commercial will come on and I just look around and I just smile because I know that nobody else in that room has the peace of mind that I do. But once I start, you know, preaching the gospel of rockauto.com, they soon will because they're going to be able to go to rockauto.com where they have everything from engine control modules and brake parts to tail lamps, motor oil, and even new carpet at ridiculously low prices with the same price tiers for professional mechanics and do-it-yourselfers. It's fantastic stuff. And I love telling people about it. I love telling you guys about it, the listeners at home. So go to rockauto.com right now, see all the parts available for your car or truck, and just write locked on in there. How did you hear about us, box? So that they know we sent you. They've got amazing selection, reliably low prices, and all the parts your car will ever need. That's rockauto.com. Here comes Rasmussen, third period underway, circles in at in front, scores Adam Ernie! He's got his team leading 11th goal, and the Red Wings have the lead in the game, one to nothing. So going back on the, the conversation we just kind of had before we, we started uh, narrowing in on him specifically, do you th- think that he's going to translate as a center, that center winger kind of discussion? He seems like someone that that will probably stay at center, I would say. Where do you fall on that, I guess? He could really do either or. I mean, when he was playing on the same line with Sean Farrell, Farrell knew that you know, Farrell's more of a playmaking type, uh, that they, they to feed him the puck. When his center became uh, – uh, well, when he became center, then he had a, a power wing in Middendorf and then a fancy, flashy playmaking uh, or finesse guy in Samuskevich. And so he's able to just, you know, tap into the strengths of his line mate. So I really can't answer that question. Uh, like initially I, I saw of him as a right wing, right? A right shot, goal scoring right wing. He's got the excellent uh, shot accuracy and release. He could score in a whole bunch of ways. He's always at the net. But then I'm like watching him. You know, it's not often where you see a defenseman handed off to a wing sure. to run the breakout way deep in their own end. Usually it's like a center or the wing will ha- take it and just look for the center and it'll be a, like a, a breakout in concert. So to answer your question, uh, I, I see him more of a, as a center eventually, but if he goes to the wing, yeah, there's no problem with that at all. I mean, he's, right. he's, that could have he'll fit him. wherever. Yeah. Yeah. Now his shot feels NHL ready kind of from jump. Uh, where would you rank his finishing ability amongst other guys in this draft class? And well, is there anything about it that's like, particularly suited to scoring in the NHL? Because I think sometimes 
that is the 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 finishing ability is something that gets lost in translation and it's different from the shot or you know the the positioning and things like that do you ever see like a scrum like kind of like a low slot scrum where there's like you know two defensemen and then two opposing forwards and maybe throw in like a, an opposing so it's like a two on three or a three on two but it's all congested in the slot and you can't even find the puck and no one can really find the puck. And the next thing you know, like someone swats at it and it goes into the, the top shelf. That's <laughs> the kind of like goal score that he is when he's not shooting off the pass or like in open ice and an odd man rush. He's like that guy where he's like, he knows how to track the puck. He just has that sense where he's like a bloodhound where like, it, you know, he just, he's going to be the first guy to find that loose puck out of the scrum and he's going to pop it in the net. So that's something that you really can't uh, teach. It's more innate. So that's why I call him a natural goal scorer. Yeah, a lot of guys can score the one-timer if their center's just giving them slam dunk passes or alley-oops and or they're always in open ice because the other team stinks and it's a 60 to 10 shot differential. We get that. A lot of those kids can score in that way. But I like how he scores those dirty goals. And he's got a great backhand. He's got soft hands. So if he could, if he's on his backhand, he doesn't have to necessarily transition to his forehand to get it upstairs. Um, you know, like the more I'm talking about him and like, like recalling what he's done this season, I'm like, Why am I <laughs> yeah, <laughs> a lot high, but it's just the way that the process works. And you know. I'm sure, I'm sure that would be the case with like every player that we ask you about. Like the more you talk yeah. about yeah. him, like, it's but he's just... unique though. He he's unique. Uh, he also has like an older look about him. He, he doesn't look 17. He looks like he's like 24, 25. Yeah. So, uh, yeah. you know, uh, I, I don't know. He's a New York kid. He's a, he's a tough kid. He, he's uh We'll see how it goes with Harvard, but um, yeah. And I saw Central Scouting; they gave him a huge bump. They they, they put him, I think, at ninth overall on the uh, the North American list, which is a pretty big deal because he yeah. does some notable names. So, uh, you know, obviously, they think highly of him too. But this stretch of hockey he had, uh, he was always consistent. But th- that hunger that you saw during the postseason was, I think, what really helped him uh, rankings wise. So his, his skating seems, um, I guess like controversial would be yeah, one yeah. word. Yeah. Like some people, you know, um, kind of talk about how, like if he finds a seam, he hits it hard, but the lateral movement seems to be like in question for a lot of people. How do you assess his, his rather controversial skating? Well, he, he's, he's definitely more East West than North South. So like, and, sure. and agility wise, like you, you could, you'll see him control the puck high at his line and make, make spin moves and, you know, do a lot of fancy stuff, uh, excuse me, laterally to, you know, buy himself some, uh, uh, some time and space. So I don't have an issue with that. And then of course, in open ice, I mean, it, a lot of, and I've said this before when it comes to skating speed and, and even style is that anticipation is a huge deal. Like if you could guess that the puck is going to go to this spot a second or two before the defenseman does, well, if you're moving forward and you already have a two second step on that defenseman and that defenseman has got to turn his back and back skate, you're going to probably beat him to the outside, no matter how good of a skate you are. We see Mark Stone do this all the time. You know, he, he's always, uh, uh, you know, doing that to defenseman. He's not necessarily a quote unquote, you know, fast skater. So uh, I don't have a problem with it at all. Uh, you know, it's a wide stride. It's, it's a, it's a little bit of a short stride, but you know, it, it, the results kind of speak for themselves. Like once inside that offensive zone, I mean, how often are you going to, again, you tie in the anticipation, you tie in that desire, that hunger. So that I think that also when you want the puck more than somebody else, that's going to make you work harder and look a lot faster than a guy who might be faster in a straight line sense, but he's just not working as hard as you. Speaking of that hard work, uh, you have in your capsule on him that he's one of the hardest workers. And I uh, 
have heard it on good authority uh, that the same can also be said for Owen Power. That Chicago Steel program, uh, I think it, it kind of uh, has a certain standard to it in, in terms of work ethic and things like that. What do you like about a guy coming from that program in particular? Because something you'll see a lot in the NFL, for example, is you know the Patriots like to draft a lot of Alabama guys, probably yeah, yeah. because – you know, it's a similar uh, hierarchy of power there. And, you know, you know what you're going to be getting from that type of player. You know that he understands the system. And you also probably have a, a pretty decent relationship with that program down in Alabama. And, and you can say, you can ask him honestly for advice, Nick Saban. Hey, what, what's the deal with this guy? Why do you only have eight sacks last year? And I feel like the, the what's interesting about hockey is that there are thousands of organizations around the world. These players are being drafted from is there something there with the chicago steel that is is maybe uh, a little bit on a higher level even if it's just within the context of the ushl uh i think recruiting has a lot to do with it uh you know so basically what you, what they they've done and i've been following chicago for a while um the first time i saw power when he was like 16 it was back in 2018 mm. Uh, so uh, their their recruiting, their ability to recruit and convince players to sign with them. Obviously, there's a draft and everything, but uh, uh, I, I think that you know when they get guys like Jackson Blake, right? Jackson Blake, everyone knew about Jackson Blake in Minnesota and from his Bantam days. You know, Jason Blake's kid that he was going to be a special kid and that uh, you know he was going to be one of the top high school players in Minnesota. He he ends up going to uh, you know Chicago. Uh, Fantilli, another one, potential top five pick in the 2023 draft. He ends up, you know, he could have went major junior. He wants to go to college probably. And so he's going to go to Chicago steel. Uh, I mean, I, I think they even got Mitch Corb's rights too. Uh, you know, uh, so I think that once they're in that pro, and this is what's impressive about Chicago is that, so you're basically taking the cream of the cream really. And you're putting them all into one organization and you're saying, Hey, you're not going to get like, you know, 25 minutes a night, or you're not going to get, uh, you know, the uh, number one starting job every game. Like, and so it seems like these kids buy into it. Like there's really not, a, you know, Coronado with the way that he's always handling the puck. Again, it wasn't in a puck hogging kind of way. Mm. Uh, it's just like, it, they're very competitive. And it, it just seems like, uh, like, obviously it's a, it's a very free flowing attacking system where they like to push the pace and uh, they, they require the defenseman to be physical uh, so even guys like Ryan Ufko, uh, Jack Ball, one of the most physical defensemen in the draft class, uh, th th these guys like to hit. So it's a really well-balanced team. I, I just think that once you show up there, your ego has to kind of like, uh, you know, you check your ego at the door and you, uh, you know, uh, I mean, I really can't explain what they do. Which, well, yeah, I mean, well, that's, but, that's, I think, the maybe the magic there is that, like, I'm sure there's a ton of these guys. Like you mentioned, they go to teams where they get to play 25 minutes a night. They get to score four or five goals, and it's just silly. And they, they have that ego, but when you draft from an organization like this, at the very least, you're looking at this and saying, well, I know that this kid can be a selfless hockey player. I know that he can put the team first. I have this demonstration of it. And not only that, but it's been ingrained from him during his development. I think that's maybe the most notable thing about it to me. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. And the thing is, and they also have the good selling point, which is like, hey, if you play with us, you're going to probably get drafted mm -hmm. and not, not just get it drafted, but you're going to be playing in front of scouts. Yeah. Like bunches of scouts. Uh, every night. And that's, that's always been the case with them the last couple of years. So, um, you know, it's definitely helped Owen power, but Owen power is like kind of a special player because 
even at 16, you're like, oh my God, like where this could come from. <laughs> uh, so, uh, and the fight, the, the rank is really small there. It, it, they, they only they have basically bleachers. And uh, I think at some point they're going to have to maybe invest in getting a big arena because that place is always packed Yeah, uh, with uh, scouts. Uh, just to wrap up on Coronado, because, you know, we are really seeing a, a strong commitment from Detroit's front office to a, a two-way style of game. Like you're not going to play if you can't back check no more Andreas Athanasius. And he kind of fits that bill to me. Back checks. He's got good defensive positioning, that motor that we talked about. Do you see him in particular being a guy that Detroit could have their eye on simply because of maybe the pedigree that's there with uh, the intangibles? Um, Yeah. Yeah. I mean, well, listen, what I noticed about the Red Wings this year is that, and I, 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 screaming about them last year how like they just weren't tough to play against they were too easy the effort wasn't there and that I noticed that this year that that, like some players got a wake-up call obviously there's a lot of competition but I mean obviously when you have like 15 of the top let's say 65 or 70 prospects or whatever it might 100 the Red Wings are loaded up with all these picks you're going to create a competitive environment and I think that, that that you know competition breeds like that extra effort in players. So mm. it's almost like a, a contagious a situation where if one guy shows up and he was just as good of a score as you are in the junior days, and he's outworking you off the puck, he's on the penalty kill. He's, he's blocking shots. He's got a stick everywhere. He's always reading, reacting, starting and stopping, uh, really never relenting. Uh, then the other play is going to be like uh, the coach keeps picking him over me to go out for these late and close moments. And I was the guy who was always that late and close guy when we were down a goal. And now I'm not even playing. What's, what's that all about? Well, you're getting out worked and you're getting out hustled by uh, a kid like a, a Matt Coronado. Or, and so I, I think that um, if the Red Wings want to eventually take that next step, they're going to not only have to be, uh, more competitive like they were this past season, just to kind of take it a step higher, but also the, the physical component. And I, I, the Coronado is the kind of kid that isn't scared of physicality. Like he'll, he's not like mean or anything, but he's willing to get involved in those, in those battles and battle hard along the boards. And you see in the playoffs every year, the team that wins is the one that wants it more. What does that mean? Yeah. They're the first ones to the puck. They're the ones that don't quit along the boards where you other see the other teams, uh, teams, guys tiring out. I mean, go watch the Montreal Toronto series. Montreal's just quitting. They're just quitting. They mm-hmm. can't keep up with Toronto's speed. So uh, an effort. So uh, yeah, I mean, he's the kind of guy who'll show up and make other people around him want to work just as hard. All right, last time I'm going to jump in here is to talk to you guys about Bet Online. Bet Online is the fastest and easiest way to bet on all of your sports action. Baseball is in full swing, and you can track all of the action at Bet Online. That is, of course, in addition to the NBA playoffs, the NHL playoffs. These games are really exciting every night. Earlier, <laughs> before the playoffs started, I put out an article. It was a betting guide to the Stanley Cup playoffs. I said, don't bet on the Avalanche. They're not great value. They got it, you know, the, the second best odds to win the Cup are in their same division. Like, they they might not even get to the conference final. And look, look what happened to Old Noli. He got embarrassed last night. The Avalanche beat the, whatever you call uh, the Golden Knights, 7-1. to one. Uh, And you could have won a lot of money on that game if you would have faded me like a smart person. If you would have said, uh, hey, Nolan, your picks stink. Um, I would have said, you're right. And uh, you can make yourself some money. And you can do that at Bet Online. So before the puck drops next on tonight's game, game seven, uh, do you have a prediction? We're going to, this is going to run in the morning so people will know. 
I gotta have. I mean, I'll I'll take I'll take the Leafs blowing a three one lead. I'll take that all day. Yeah, I'll take the Habs. Uh, so before that puck drops tonight, head or well, I guess you guys would have already known what happened in that game. All right, before game one of uh, insert Canadian team here and the Jets, uh, go to bet online on your laptop or mobile device. Sign up today and receive a fifty percent welcome bonus on your first deposit with our promo code Locked On. That's L O C K E D O N, uh, and you'll get a fifty percent welcome bonus with your first deposit at Bet Online, your online sportsbook experts. Penalty over, out of the box and wide open. In the clear, Ronnie, and he scores! What a way to join the Red Wings, serving at too many men on the ice. He puts the Red Wings in front, two to one, with his first in the wing wheel. All right, well, let's uh, move it into Zachary Bull Duke uh, from a Ramuski Oceanic of the QMJHL, six foot one, one seventy four. Uh, just turned 18 in February and shoots with the left-handed stick. Uh, I've seen him ranked as high as number 16 by Sportsnet, as low as 56 by McKean's. He's one of the, the polarizing guys. You have him somewhere right in the middle at 25. Um, realistically, the he's on the table for the Red Wings, I would say, with that Capitals first rounder, or really, I guess, any of those, those picks in the second round. Another guy who projects as a center, and yet Ramuski place him on the wing for a majority of his draft season. Uh, what is your overview of, of him and where he might fit at the next level? When everything is together, he, he could be one of the best players to come out of this draft. Uh, and it's, and consistency is, is always a thing with a lot of these top kids. Uh, he's had injuries. He's dealt with some injuries. Um, I think he had a suspension thrown in there too, but uh, he, listen, last year, Ramuski was all about that top line, right? Alexi Lafreniere, uh, I think it was Cedric Paré, and was it uh, Zabgarodny? Uh, uh, and so now that Lafreniere is gone, you know, you kind of hand the reins over to this kid. He was a high Quebec League pick and uh, obviously not in the same level as Lafreniere. And so a lot of attention was on him. And the first few times I watched him play uh, last year and then again this year, I'm like, man, he's got the size. He's got a beautiful stride. He's a really nice skater. He's got a I would say an elite shot and he, he plays physically. He, he, he finishes his checks. He makes his presence felt on the ice when he's not uh, controlling it. So, you know, and the more I watched him and now I'm watching four or five games, I'm like, I mean, he's still doing it. And then you watch that one game when you're like, all right, he didn't show up tonight. And you're wondering, okay, is it injury? Is it scheduling? Was it COVID? I mean, who knows what it was? Uh, so uh, I have to be cautious. Now they moved him to wing. Uh, and even though they moved him to wing, he still had that, center-esque, I guess, uh, demeanor about him where he was looking to control the puck, uh, you know, controlling it along the half wall, letting things unfold, very patient with the puck as well. Like he's not a a rush, rush guy. He waits for things to unfold. Uh, So, you know, he's the kind of guy that if he had the chance to go to the U18s or was at the Ivan Holinka tournament, you know, whichever tournament you want to talk about that we missed out on because of the weird COVID stuff, uh, he probably would be a lot higher, that he would be a lot more leaning towards the, the potential and the upside than the actual, uh, you know, finished product, as they say, or his draft resume, whatever you want to call it. Uh, but uh, he, had a, he, had a, he had a good season. He didn't have a dominant season. He had a good season. Uh, but with him, it's that potential, right? 6'2", eventually going to be about 190-pound center who could skate, who could hit, and who could shoot. I mean, it's a lot to like. A lot to like. A lot to like. So uh, talking about that upside, that potential, 
Um, I think a lot of his offensive upside comes from scoring the puck. Uh, do you think that developing the other areas that aren't just scoring could kind of get everybody else on board with how high his ceiling is or raise his ceiling even more? Yeah, he's not that much of a like. He's not like a one uh, like a one threat kind of a guy. He he could play make. He's got soft hands. Uh, you know, the other guy Bergolt, uh is more of like a flashy finesse guy where he's he could do anything with the puck he wants and uh and so he's more of like that that Patrick Kane type of playmaker uh you know really from the wing but as far as like Bolduc goes you know I just see him being that you know that typical center where you know if he is going to get uh assists or even out his uh his stats it's going to be from the, the rebounds that a shot creates, it's going to be his ability to really, because he's big, he's going to have people draped over him and he's going to be able to have his linemates get open. So he's not like an outstanding playmaker or passer on the level of, let's say, I don't know, like a William Eklund or uh, some of the other, you know, Fedor Svechkov, uh, who are really good playmakers and passers. But, you know, again, you, you're looking at long-term with this kid. I don't think he's going to show up right away and be a difference maker, but yeah, he's going to have to refine his playmaking a little bit, but you know, again, uh, it's not like a, a a major problem where you're like, oh, he doesn't shoot the puck. You know what I mean? Sure. Yeah, and he he scores from like mostly. I feel like you mentioned uh, in on the rebounds and and just kind of in tight. Scores a lot of two from uh, a little bit high in the slot. Sometimes he'll get open, rip that one timer snapshot. Um, and I think that that kind of makes him a really intriguing prospect. Now, how many times do you see? Uh, with a guy like this because the Red Wings, they just dealt their most frustrating player. And the reason he was the most frustrating player is because he was the most inconsistent player. And I think uh, across the board, I don't think anything. Yeah. I I don't think anything frustrates hockey fans more than an inconsistent player, no matter what that ceiling is. Sometimes it even makes it more frustrating when that ceiling's high. Like I think that was the case with Anthony Mantha where it was like, you were supposed to score 40 goals this year. And obviously, you know, those are expectations that were thrust upon him, but because of stuff that he had already showed uh, as an NHL player, when it comes to somebody that is Zachary Bullduke's age, uh, is it less likely that he figures that out? Is it more likely that he's able to figure that out? Cause it's like, what do you do with Anthony Mantha? He's a grown man. He's 27 years old. Like what there's, it feels like there's not much that you can do to fix that within him, but for younger guys, not, you know, even, even drafted yet, is that something that you can figure out or is it it's still pretty big risk that you're taking from that sense? You know, it's weird, you know, with these big ends, it's a lot of good questions. We could dedicate a whole podcast to it because it's, it's a question that has been, uh, you know, perplexing scouts and, and scouting directors and GMs uh, for, and coaches uh, for, for, for decades. Whereas like well, you have all this talent, why, why, like, you know, look at a guy like Chris Kreider, that guy mm-hmm. with all his speed. I mean, you look at everything that he offers. He should be a 40 goal, 40 assist, 150 penalty minute guy. Uh, and it, he just cannot find the way to do it. And it, it, is it effort, right? Is it personal life stuff? Is it is it just the demeanor, right? We know that Chris Kreider is a hard worker. He works hard off the ice to stay in shape and things like that. But how come he can't? It just doesn't happen. How, why, do, why do these guys have so many games where they're, they're MIA? And Bull Duke it goes through that. He has games where you're like, well, all right, I've watched the game and he really didn't do anything. You know, uh, whereas a guy like, let's say, Jack Hughes, you watch Jack Hughes play uh, and never once did you ever say, I really didn't notice Jack Hughes out there today mm-hmm. because he has like, he has all the skill, 
but he has the desire to be like just up front uh, uh, and center. Like, you know, when, when you, you, he's controlling the puck, he's dynamic, he's whatever. Uh, so I think size has something to do with it. It's very hard for these guys who are big to have that motor revving high all the time. And when you mm. see them do it, like one or two, three shifts a game, you're like, man, do that all the time. And you're like, uh, physically, they probably can't do it. Yeah. <laughs> so, you know, I, with Bolduc, it, it's going to, I think the Red Wings competition in that prospect pool is going to, and again, it, it's nature, right? It's survival of the fittest. It's a doggy dog world. So when he shows up to his first dev camp, uh, let's just say if the Red Wings pick him, that he's going to see guys that are one or two or three years ahead of him, but that, that he's still able to compete for that job that they have. And, you know, sink or swim, that's how it is. Uh, so to, just to kind of go off of the conversation we just had about Coronado, I think from a, who is Zachary Bullduke perspective, he kind of seems like the guy that the Red Wings might shy away from uh, with a first round pick. Do you agree with that? Um is there anything from these last two drafts that would make you believe they aren't set on that type? Cause like the one, I guess the, the only guy that really comes to mind is cross Hannes. Uh, that was like the big swing. Hey, who let's burn one and see what happens. Kind of, kind of thing. Well, the, the wings have like, what do they have? Like seven, seven or eight picks in the top 100 or something like yeah, that. So a lot. They, I mean, there's going to be guys that fall right every year. There's guys that, that, that people like myself put as a first or second round pick and end up dropping down to the fourth, fifth or even sixth round. Uh, so it happens uh, again. I don't, I don't have the inside information. So uh, <laughs> how he interviews is going to impact it for all we know, Bulldog goes in there and, and blows eyes him in a way and, uh, and Draper away by saying, I want to work hard. I want to be a better player. I want to, you know, focus on my two way game. Uh, you know, they'll ask him questions that make make him uncomfortable. He might answer them the right way. Uh, so I, I wouldn't have a problem at all with the Red Wings taking him with one of their high seconds or, um, or even with that, that, that late first, Obviously, I, I probably would not use it on the number six pick. Uh, but, um, <laughs> you know, again, you, you don't know. And uh, so uh, with, with Bolduc, it was very difficult because of his health, because of the whole Quebec League thing. He didn't play in any major tournaments. Uh, there's a lot of stuff that went into uh, some ambiguity surrounding his draft stock. So uh, they got the, you know, they, they're going to have this, this Columba, this combine. Uh, I don't know if the Quebec kids are going to be invited to it, but who knows? I mean, I don't know. I don't know how it's going to work out, but uh, I, I, I would take a gamble on him because he has that, that ideal package, right? The, the size, mm-hmm. the speed and, and the shot and, you know, the physicality. So, you know, always, always a, a worthy gamble, I think, uh, for a player like that, if you have multiple picks, especially late in the first round, early second round. Uh, what do you got coming up to, to plug that people should be on the lookout for? What are you, uh, yeah, what do you got dropping? Well, we got the, uh, right now we have my, my week-long series. It's the, uh, the top 224 rankings. So I, I do it in increments by round. So I'm already up to like 129 kids ranked, and each ranking has a, a detailed description of the kid. Uh, so that'll stop on Saturday. And then coming up, we got to get ready for the draft lottery on the second. It's a big deal for Red Wings fans. Yes, it so, is. So uh, I'll do, uh, I'll do a, a, a lottery preview. Uh, we'll do a mock draft as well after the lottery. And then uh, from there, from that point forward, it's going to be getting the, the draft report ready. Uh, don't know when it's going to be able to be, uh, when it's going to be released. Uh, but it's probably going to have at least 350, 400 kids profile 32 nhl team reports uh, rankings uh, top plays at each position a preview for 2022 and so on so 
Uh, and then making, making the videos, making the highlight videos for prospect film room on YouTube. So it's always busy. 16, 18 hour days. Go check, uh, go check all that out. Go press that subscribe button on YouTube. Uh, watch those videos. The thing with your draft report, by the time it gets done, it's like hardly a report or a guide. And it's just like an almanac in a yeah. sense, like it, it, it reaches almanac, uh, um, status when you have to print it out and then put it in a binder just to, you know, that's great. But, I'm glad you do that. But I, I remember telling people, I said, Hey, if you work for a, a state or federal office, I said, use their paper because they get budgeted for that. And the money gets thrown away or, you know, like, so basically if you work for the government or for the state, print all the stuff out on the government or the, the state printer, because <laughs> they're not going to, you're not wasting money and they, they, it's all budgeted for. And, you know, don't worry about waste or anything like that. But I, I've never done that. Actually. I've never taken my draft guide and printed it out and put it in a binder. I've wanted to, but I've never done that. And I think I'm going to do that this year, but it might you be should, that'd be cool. And then you could like have them like year by year, like on a bookshelf, then you, then you look and then you put them behind you. Uh, you know what? Talk to hit me up. I'll, you know, we'll, we'll make a cool little, little cover for it and everything. And it'll be like, it'll actually look like the, the baseball prospectus guides and you could just have year by year. Yeah. There you go. All right, Steve. <laughs> Uh, appreciate you, man. Uh, hope to talk to you later on down the road. Good luck surviving, uh, this draft year. I know it hasn't been easy for you or, or any of the other scouts out there and you do a terrific job. You're a tremendous resource for, for all fans, for all podcasters and, and for a lot of writers out there. So thank you for the hard work you put in. And, and again, uh, hope to see you later on down the road. Yeah. Likewise. Thanks a lot, Nolan. Scott uh, had a great time. Good conversation. Appreciate it. All right, that is all we got for you guys today. Thank you so much for joining the Lockdown Red Wings podcast. It is draft season. Be sure to subscribe. You'll have new episodes waiting for you each and every morning when you wake up. Lots of draft content on the way. Lots of scouts. Lots of uh, sleeper picks, profile breakdowns, all that good stuff um, coming your way at Lockdown Red Wings. And like I said, tomorrow we got the draft lottery preview coming. Uh, So we'll see you back here. Same time, same place. It's your team every day. Locked On Red Wings, your daily podcast on the Detroit Red Wings. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day.